Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're talking about the transformative nature of birth. So what if instead of asking what happened during a birth, we instead ask the birthing person, what happened to you? What if we stopped defining birth as vaginal or medicated, induced or cesarean, and looked at it as a meaning-making event? Is there even a way to prepare for this type of transformation? Britta Bushnell tells more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Sunbasket, delivering pre-measured, organic, and sustainable ingredients right to your door so you can whip up healthy and delicious recipes in about 30 minutes. Go to sunbasket.com slash birthful today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. This episode of Birthful is also brought to you by Expectful, an evidence-based guided meditation app created specifically for those trying to conceive pregnant or new moms. Learn more and sign up for a free two-week trial at expectful.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. As always, thank you so, so much for listening and for all the love you give the show. If what you hear is helpful, do take a few minutes to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook or on Google, or even just tell your friends about it. It does really help. Quick shout out to Dancer Tracker, who was a birth doula and expectant mom. She said on a review she left that this is her number one podcast and that, quote, the interviews are always fun to listen to, informative, and so supportive of women and families. The information is evidence-based and relevant to the issues that currently face parents during pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. I recommend it highly as a great resource for birth professionals, expectant parents, and those trying to conceive. Thank you, Adriana. And thank you, almighty one who goes by the name of Dance Tracker on the interwebs. I love to hear this. I love reading your comment. All right. My guest today is Britta Bushnell, who is an award-winning childbirth educator, celebrated speaker, and all-around advocate for looking at birth in a different way. Welcome, Britta. It's so nice to have you here on the show today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. And so let's start with the beginning of, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this passion of birth and the things that you do right now. Great. Okay. Uh, I'll do the sort of bullet point sort of quick list. I started uh, as a manager at a yoga studio, Yoga Works in Santa Monica, back in the early 90s. And that led to teaching yoga. And then that led to prenatal yoga. And I noticed that when people were coming to my classes after they had given birth, they would say, they would say, oh, my goodness, you know, no, 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 you don't understand. My birth was really intense. And I was like, yeah, birth's intense. I, I get it. Uh, and that led me to decide to learn some more. Uh, then I also had a child, my first son. And I went and got trained as a childbirth educator, which I absolutely loved through birthing from within. And then I had another child. And started teaching and got very involved and then began to train professionals to do that work as well, became business partners with Birthing From Within's founder, Pam England, and another colleague, Virginia. And then that work just kept kind of evolving within me to the point where I decided it was really time to do some other things. And I decided to go to graduate school. And I decided to go to graduate school initially to become a counselor, to work with people uh, in sort of a therapy relationship. But I kept getting drawn by this other program, which was a graduate degree, a, a master's or PhD in mythology. And I was like, wow, okay, that I need to do. And so I did. I, I jumped into that and uh, did, a, did the master's degree and continued through to the PhD and got my PhD in the whole title is mythological studies with an emphasis in depth psychology. And when I, when I went into the program, I said, okay, the one thing I'm not going to write my dissertation on is childbirth. I've been doing that for so long, but 
as things, you know, best laid plans sometimes happen, the only thing I really could write my dissertation on when I got to that point was what was burning inside me was this mythology and childbirth and how they interact. It was as if I went through the entire process of my graduate work, looking at the myths, looking at the stories, looking at the archetypal um, different topics that we discussed, looking at ritual. I was really interested in ritual and rites of passage. I was looking at all of these classes through the lens of childbirth. Mm. So of course, I had to write my dissertation on that. And so since then, I am now working to take my dissertation and turn it into something that is a little less academic speak and make it more comfortable and available to the general population in the form of a book. And so I'm currently writing that book and continuing to teach parents, work with parents. I just had a group of parents this past weekend here doing childbirth preparation. I still attend births on occasion. And I'm still also a mom of two Oh, gosh, they're now 15 and almost 18. So mm. I'm on the other end of the spectrum, about to step over the threshold of sending one off to college. Wow. So that's, that's a whole new process. And even then, there's no getting away from birth. <laughs> right. Oh, and, and once you get birth on the brain, everything, it feels like it, birth becomes a metaphor for everything. And it, so yeah. much yeah. so, but it's yes. like the microcosm of our day, our, of our macro lives, right? Because, and and what we're talking about today is how birth, how will birth transform you? Of having yeah. that idea that birth is a transformative moment, but we have all these little transformations that happen through our our, our lives. Like your son's going off to college, that's a big transformation for both of you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I really like to think that in many ways, the process of going through pregnancy, labor and birth or however someone arrives at parenthood, even through adoption and other processes, that that those experiences help to prepare us and they also help to help us become more comfortable with the discomfort of going through those rites of passage, going through those transitions. And so it's, it, I think it's a powerful thing to look at birth from that perspective because it, it isn't just the only one. You're going to have many of them mm. in your process of parenthood. It's one. And if we can prepare and look at it from a place of, oh, this is part of my transformation into parenthood, and it's not the only one, we can start to become more comfortable, more accepting, more uh, available to all of the gifts that those transformations hold for us. And I, one of the things that I think is really interesting is, I mean, you, you had a meme that you shared recently, and it's what sparked this episode. Um, that really resonated with many people around the world. And I'm going to read what the meme said. It was... Right. What if instead of talking about birth as natural or unmedicated, surgical or vaginal, we talked about the transformation experienced by those who live it? What if instead of asking new, a new parent if they gave birth naturally or with drugs, we ask how birth transformed them? What if instead of asking details about an unexpected cesarean, we ask the new parent how the experience impacted them? What if we got curious about the individual rather than putting them in a binary, binary box? Boxes tells, tell us very little about the person or their experience. And I find that this fits perfectly with what you were saying just a second ago of, you know, we tend to look at things as we're very result driven, right? So it's like yes. we had the birth, we had the baby, you had this type, you know, the vaginal non-medicated or the cesarean, that's all result oriented. But in truth, there's so much value to looking at it as process of mm -hmm. ongoing and mm -hmm. Yeah. So what? Yes. let's talk a little bit more of what are those benefits of stepping out of the box and looking at birth without labels? Yeah, well, the so when we look at birth with with just these ideas that we need to be able to put 
it and our experience into a box, we lose some of the the uh, pluralistic way of existing in the world. It becomes that very black and white binary response of is this good, is this bad, so that we can sort of judge it. When in fact, we live in an experience as humans that is far more rainbow. It's, it has lots of different experiences, different colors, different textures uh, that all add to the experience of being human. If we are talking about something and, and putting it in a box, we're making assumptions about what we think that means. And while if we're talking about it to ourselves, like we, if that, it might mean something specific to me, but it might mean something completely different to you. And if we exist in this place of labels, we start to lose track of that, of that texture, of that nuance, of that individuality, as well as the plurality of what it might mean. So I like to instead get curious rather than affixing boxes to what's happening so that we want to find out what happened for you. If we just find out, oh, I, I birthed with, with drugs or I birthed without drugs or I birthed in a hospital or I birthed at home or I birthed in a river or I birthed with dolphins, it doesn't tell us what happened to us. And we, we start to think that it has uh, meaning outside of other people might think it starts to have meaning other than what it actually means to the individual who experienced it. So I think it's important for us to explore beyond the box, explore what happened for us. What, what are the moments that were challenging? What were the moments that were awe-inspiring? What were the moments that were boring? You know, we, we like to think that things exist in extremes. And that sometimes leaves us forgetting that uh, there are moments where we can have great boredom, where things can be, you know, eh, kind of just eh. And in terms of birth as a rite of passage or a, an, an initiation into parenthood, we need that. We need the, the variety of experience because parenthood has that kind of variety. If we think that it's going to fit neatly into a box, we are sadly mistaken, right? I mean, you're a parent, I'm a parent. We know that we have these moments where it is, it is bone-chilling boring. Yeah. It is, you know, joyful beyond anything we can possibly imagine. It brings us to our knees in, in feeling of, of just being utterly uh, challenged to the core. And all of these things can happen not just in the course of a week or, or the course of a month. It can happen in the course of a day. It can happen in the course of an hour. And so I believe it's really important to give ourselves the ability to live in that more pluralistic place. Absolutely. And and I was giggling when you were saying about parenting, can, that it can be very boring because I could hear myself going like, if I have to listen to that song one more time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. And birth, too, has some yeah. moments like, that can be like that. And um, I often tell my clients, I say, you know, birth can be like a lot of it. Frankly, most of it is boring. They don't show it to you on TV. It's not well represented because it would be a lot of boredom. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, there's hours of just in a contraction and a contraction and flowing with it. But I do definitely agree and often tell them as well that birth and, and pregnancy is like your first parenting lessons with the yeah. uncertainty and the variations and that nuances and rainbow that you talk about. Right. Right. I, I like one of the um, one of my favorite quotes is a Maya Angelou quote that um, can I share it with you? Please. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, we delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but we rarely admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a lot of what we we're talking about in terms of that transformation and that change, it's like 
we birth changes us. And if we just get to the other side and talk about the butterfly, we miss a lot of what actually is required to go through the transformative experience to become winged. You know, uh, a caterpillar does not just, you know, I, I'm thinking of a bug's life uh, from Disney where the one of the characters is a caterpillar and it goes into a cocoon towards the end of the movie and comes out with wings. But the caterpillar's body is still completely there. And we like to think that that's what happens when we, bec when we move into parenthood, that we have this very brief little experience called labor and we come out with wings. But that's not actually what happens inside a cocoon. Mm -mm. When, when a caterpillar builds a cocoon around, around itself, it then dissolves. It becomes goo. Mm -hmm. And it's from, I mean, is, are the cells the same? They're the same. But they get reformed. They get transfigured into something that is a new entity in and of itself, which is the butterfly. But we don't want to talk about that. We don't tend to, in our culture, like to talk about that, that cocoon process that can happen inside there, that dissolving piece. And if we just do that binary box approach, we forget to talk about that, that change, that transformation, that shift, that, that dissolving and reforming. Mm, indeed. Let's take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk about obviously that reforming of that goo into like, <laughs> let's go in deep into the goo. Brita. <laughs> Why is it that, for a lot of us, a delicious home-cooked meal is the ultimate luxury? I mean, it sounds so simple, but with all the planning, shopping, not to mention all the time, we're lucky if we can pull it off once a week. That's why I get excited when a Sunbasket delivery is coming, because I know Sunbasket is going to make it easy and convenient for us to eat healthy, delicious meals made with organic and clean ingredients all week long. With Sunbasket, you can easily cook dishes like steaks with chimichurri and harissa roasted sweet potatoes, or in our very vegan case, mushroom muffaletas with olive tapenade and kale chips. That came with a pre-made signature sauce that was to die for. Plus, you'd never think we'd be fighting over homemade kale chips, but yep, that happened one night. With 18 options to choose from, including paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, Mediterranean, family options, and more, you can decide what to try each week. Since everything is pre-measured and easy to prep, you can get a healthy and delicious meal on the table in about 30 minutes. And it's true, we've done it. What we do is we get everyone in the kitchen and split the instructions so that it's truly a family affair, regardless of everyone's cooking experience. Every menu comes with a section called Kids Can, which has suggestions as to what parts of the recipe kids can help with. So for example, our muffaletta recipe listed that kids could season and toss the kale in the sheet pan, stir together the olive tapenade, drizzle the ciabatta with oil, and build their own sandwiches. And you know that if you get kids involved in making the meal, they will be way more interested in actually eating it. Go to sunbasket.com slash birthful today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash birthful for $35 off sunbasket.com slash birthful. And we are back talking about how birth would transform, will transform you. And the, I, this year, I think for me, it's a matter of serendipity and, and whimsy. And those two things came together again this moment. Um, if you're on my newsletter and you got the New Year's thing, you know that I'm all about serendipity and whimsy. And I think it's going to be the thing, the theme for my year. Can you believe that just yesterday, my daughter was telling me about the butterfly and the cocoon and the goo? And I did not know this. She was she was like, Mom, do you know that actually 
the caterpillar dissolves and turns into goo and all it's all mush because somebody was telling them that as teenagers that's kind of what they're doing she's 12 gonna be 13 i'm frightened uh, out of my mind and <laughs> not really um right yeah and she's like yeah they were saying how our brains are kind of like that goo and the mushier we are the more beautiful of a butterfly we're gonna be <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So that that just came up in my life yesterday, and now you're telling me this again. I love that. Yeah, I love it. I love that. Well, I don't actually think there's that big of a difference no. in some ways between what we're talking about with your daughter and with what happens for parents going through uh, pregnancy, labor, and birth, and then new new parenthood on the other side, because I think they're both a process of initiation. Yes. So let's talk. And, yeah. yeah, let's talk a little bit more about this process of the initiation, this birth as rite of passage, because frankly, in our Western culture, like the even the words rite of passage makes most of us uncomfortable. Like, why are we so uncomfortable with that idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, why are we so uncomfortable with it? I, I think in some ways it's scary. Uh, we like and, and we kind of revere control and certainty. We like to know how things are going to go. And rites of passage and, and statements of that sort that are talking about a transformation, inherent within that is the idea that there will be moments of letting go of control, that there will be moments of not knowing and of, of being forced to an edge of, of discomfort with ourselves, with our relationships, with with the world, um, that that may not be something we're familiar with. That's that's kind of like what your daughter is speaking about, right? That she's on the edge of this shift, this transition, that is going to bring new awareness to her about adulthood, and with with pregnancy and labor and birth, it also brings us to that spot. I mean, the reason I'm still teaching childbirth classes almost 20 years later is because I'm, I'm fascinated by parents coming to class saying, wow, I'm feeling this, this change afoot. I, I personally couldn't still be teaching childbirth classes if it the whole purpose was to teach stages of labor. Like, whew, I couldn't do it. Ugh, who cares about the not, stages not, of labor? Seriously. <laughs> not, yeah, not for 20 years. I, it would not still sustain me. But at this point, it, what does interest me is the fact that in our culture, we can feel that edge of something about to happen. We feel it, I think, on the edge of parenthood even more than we feel it on the edge of marriage. Mm-hmm. We feel it more in, in, in so many of the ceremonies that are built into our lives, uh, there's a certain amount of anxiety. I think childbirth is one of the ones that has some of the most, perhaps the most anxiety kind of built into that piece of something is about to happen. And I'm not sure that on the other side, I will know who I am. Mm. And I think that that brings people to that that place of um, excitement, anxiety, fear, um, and we've lost some of the the ceremony uh, culturally that can go along with helping ease some of the anxiety that comes up with that. So in terms of what, why are we uncomfortable with it? I mean, I think it's, it's a whole bunch of reasons. And some of it is, it it feels also sort of tribal. And that can feel counter to some of the things that we've been understanding in our upbringing as well. So there's a bunch of stuff that shows up there. Right. And it's not civilized, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And you just said so many, like, I'm like, yes. Yes, yes. Um, but with that that rite of passage and the ritual, you say we've lost ceremony culturally around birth. And I, I, and I feel I want to ask you about what that 
you know, what are those, what, what is that ceremony that we've lost? But also you mentioned marriage and I wanted to, in my mind, like equate it to when we, one of the th- places where we do still do a rite of passage is with when, you know, if we get married, when we get married, there's this exchange of vows and this big to do to mark the occasion that, you know, we don't say vows to ourselves to become parents or we don't say vows to our children. And and maybe we need a little bit more of that. And and maybe we need even to rethink our marriage ceremonies in the sense that we've tried we've gotten it to a place where the I feel the ceremony itself has become something not so much to mark the occasion, but to control and you know we've like now it's all about the minutia of the color of the flowers and the dress and this and that and that instead of what the meaning of behind the transformation and that ritual that we're going through and i know it's like two parallel things and i'm I'm all all over the place right now but there are parallels right yeah Yes, absolutely. And I'm just going to dive into where the thread that I just grabbed from what you said, and then we can go back if we need to. But yeah, one of my uh, teachers in, in ritual studies that I have, have loved talks about how um, getting formulaic is actually the death of ritualization. Mm. And so I, I love that idea that actually one of the things that we need to do is to allow allow wh- how we we perform ceremony and ritual to evolve, to change, to be uh, inspired in the moment, and to explore what will actually help bring meaning to to this situation. And so to speak about birth, I think that that's that's the place that I think is really important is how do we how do we look at birth through through a, a ritual lens that says this is a meaning making event that giving birth is is a huge experience that creates meaning in our lives. We we are changed by it. And how do we help bring meaning to the experience in a way that uh, enlivens it regardless? And this is the piece that sometimes trips people up, regardless of the how the events unfold themselves. So if, you know, a lot of, of um, talk about about ritual or about ceremony around birth tends to involve like candles and and uh, incense and you know essential oils and making it really beautiful and and really ceremonially uh, picture perfect for for social media sharing on social media or how whatever mm-hmm. when in when in fact that isn't necessarily what I'm talking about sometimes ritual sometimes um, preparation for meaning a meaningful experience actually involves being willing to look at the harder parts of what what may transpire. Not simply, how do I have a really meaningful experience if my birth is is, uh, exactly as I imagined or follows my birth plan specifically, you know, my bullet point birth plan it goes right in line step with that. But instead, how do I bring meaning to the experience regardless of what transpires? So in, in initiation theory, one of the things that happens is the idea of the ordeal or the challenge, a piece that, that causes us to question who we are. That's part of the initiation track. Thinking back again to adolescent uh, initiation, that place of who am I? And we don't get to necessarily pick the form of, of initiation ordeal in our childbirth experience. We like to think, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to have, like, I, I remember a, a couple that took my classes several years ago. And they were really a grounded couple and they had done a bunch of research and really thought about what they wanted for their birth. 
and they planned on having you know a home birth they had a midwife they had this all figured out and then at about uh, 32 weeks they found out they had placenta previa and out the door went their idea of the home of a home birth because you can't have a home birth if the placenta is going to come out before the baby, right? You, right. She needed, <laughs> just to help explain that a little bit, in case someone doesn't know what that means. It's it's when it's uh, covering or partially covering the cervix, right. right, the placenta. So they had the idea initially that their ordeal of initiation would be the intensity of labor. They were planning for that. They had expected that. But then as initiations often work, they didn't get to pick it. And so their initiation switched. And their initiation, the ordeal that they had to move through, the the challenge, shall we say, that they needed to face was actually how do we bring meaning to a surgical birth, a cesarean birth? Because that was now what was in front of them. Because we don't get to necessarily choose. Mm-hmm. So did I answer your question at all? I went off on a few different tangents there. No. So I hope I'm still with you. Yeah, no, no, but brilliant. Because we, you know, there's, to me, there's always the, that a little bit of back to the dichotomy of we are complex and interesting beings, but we love to extract meaning. We love to label things. We love to like answer that question, who am I? And so it's hard, it's difficult not to put labels onto birth and difficult not to do it. I think once, you know, what you mentioned earlier, I like, I will now I'm I'm using that question forever in all my postpartums of what happened to you rather than just what happened. Like that Mm -hmm. little change of what happened to you shifts the conversation incredibly. But, um, Right. Of of because what what happened can be written on a form. Yes. Right? And often our provider can actually show us, here this is what happened. And yet what often is experienced and we we can actually be careful and if there's if there's partners listening as well, this is a wonderful piece is that after the birth, like what you just said, um parents who have gone through the labor experience themselves in their body can be in a, in a different time frame, you know, as we know, as, as birth professionals, they go into this other world in some ways. And when they come out, we can want to try and fix their memory of the timeline of what happened. When their timeline is totally and completely accurate for them. Like, we don't need to change it or put, put our, our time stamps in it. Because that's actually existing in um, kind of the the what I like to call Apollonian culture, like the the world of time and schedules, where labor happens in this other phase, which is more um, what I like to call Artemisian, because I use mythology. Mm-hmm. I'm a mythologist. That's part of where I go. But that place that exists more, more cyclical, more based on on um, cycles of nature and mood and na- uh, the time of day, but not the clock time. Mm-hmm. And so to be in that place where we where we respond and hold space for uh, that other experience that is otherworldly, and if we ask, you know, what happened that triggers the mind to answer the timeline as opposed to what happened for you. Mm -hmm. It's a very different question. Yeah. Let's take another quick break. And when we get back, I want to talk about you know, some suggestions or ideas or, or ways to navigate how to approach this upcoming transformation so that, you know, you don't just stay all goo, but become like, have really a beautiful butterfly at the end. Great. We'll be right back. Resetting your nervous system and mindfully bringing yourself back to calm a few times throughout your day can have a positive impact during your life 
and it also helps you get a better night's sleep. Developing a meditation practice can be a super simple and incredibly beneficial way to shift your lifestyle habits, but figuring out where to start can be a little daunting. Let Expectful help you with that. The Expectful app is one of my favorite resources to help pregnant and new moms find their calm. I really like that it's designed to fulfill your pregnant or new parents' needs by focusing on whatever you want help with at any particular moment. Whether it's better sleep, connection with baby and partner, embracing your identity, lessening stress, dealing with uncertainty, Expectful makes it super easy for you. If you have five minutes, you have time to meditate. Go to expectful.com slash birthful to sign up for their free two-week trial and check it out yourself. Don't forget to add the slash birthful part so they know who sent you. So expectful.com slash birthful. And we're back talking about how birth will transform you. So we've clearly established, we know, like birth is just something that is going to rock every every ounce of your being, body, mind, spirit, nerves, like all of it. All of it shakes. It's tectonic shifting, I like to call it. Mm-hmm. Because it's that, like it's that level of magnitude. How do you approach that so that you will be able to derive meaning of the experience which we do anyway, but that will support and uphold your transition into parenthood? Hmm. Well, such good, juicy questions. Um, So one of the things that I think is really helpful is to remember or to understand how the brain works in labor. And so knowing that the brain shifts from that more modern neocortex place to that more uh, animalistic part, that more instinctual part of the brain that is less connected to sort of clock time and and all of uh, that neocortex part of the brain. So when we are preparing for birth, we want to make sure that we spend time in the part of the brain that is going to actually be uh, dominant in labor. So if we spend all our time in the neocortex, getting lots of information, reading a ton of books, you know, making detailed charts, all of those things that are very neocortex, very new brain, and spend instead a fair bit of time as well in more of that instinctual older brain place, meaning with symbols, with storytelling. So symbols, storytelling, and myth and uh, metaphor are kind of my my toolbox in in a lot of ways. I, I love using them. One of my favorites I learned uh, working with Pam England from Birthing from Within, which is the labyrinth, and learning how to how to draw the labyrinth and then to make the passageway through the labyrinth as a metaphor for what the journey of birth and postpartum can be like. Because a birth is different than a maze. A maze is meant to confuse. But a labyrinth, all you have to do to get to the center, to the destination, is to keep going and to stay in the moment. So with if you view birth like a labyrinth, there's a lot of turns. There's some hard angled turns. There's some U-turns that actually make us feel like we're moving away from where we're thinking we're going. And in labor, it can be really helpful to remember that sometimes we actually go in the opposite direction that we think we should be going. And yet Mm -hmm. what is necessary to get to the center, to get to birth, is to keep going. So using, I mean, you you want something practical and it's sort of practical, but it's also still metaphoric. So I think spending some time understanding the process of how the brain works and then using that understanding to prepare from a place that has visuals and has metaphors that you can lean on mm-hmm. when you're deep in that otherworldly experience. Yeah. 
And you had warned me before we started this talk that there was a storm coming around your oh. way and I could hear the rain. It's like, oh, there's the storm. So the people listening wondering like, what does that sound? It's some serious rain. Um, yes. I, love I it. wondered if you could hear it. Yes. Sorry oh, about yeah. that. No, it sounds great. It's like, oh, these waves that come through, right? Um, but yeah, like that's, and, and I think there's different ways of approaching that. And definitely we all sort of go towards our own wheelhouse. So Definitely for you, it'll be more in terms of storytelling and symbols. And it, it, in my, like what where I like to go, and then both are valid, is is sort of a meditation and trying to go into deeper brain waves and into that, like mm-hmm. just letting, but at the end, we're both talking about the same thing is of getting You're out of your neocortex. Yep. Yeah, they're exactly the same thing. And and frankly, a labyrinth is a, a tool for meditation and contemplation. And it's found throughout the world and, and often used for for that. And and anything for some people, it's getting out in nature. Mm-hmm. It's it's connecting with the body. For other people, it's getting taking a bath and really having moments where they sit with their own body in water and be with their body and and step from that that brain into the body experience and be like wow okay what does it feel like to have the water touching my skin right now and how does how what is the the texture of of the loofah as i rub rub my skin any of the things that help you really become embodied are are very helpful and so embodied, uh, mindful, connected with nature, all of those things are very specific things that can, can be helpful, as well as things like the labyrinth or some, I use mythology a lot in how I teach, because I, I find that story is a place where we can access when we are in labor and we can go, oh, this is that moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is like that when we're in labor. So I love using using that as well. Yeah. And I think the the important key here, the takeaway is whatever it is, it's about practicing it ahead of time mm-hmm. so that you are comfortable going to that space when birth asks asks you to do so. Yes, and I would I would add another one is to to practice receiving support. Mm. Which is one that you, when you said the word practice really um, was that came up for me because I think it's a practice for a lot of modern individuals these days to not feel like we, you know, we're, we're used to doing it all ourselves. Like, hey, let me just, I'm going to do this. It's very individualistic. And we often need practice receiving support that because in labor, birth and new parenthood, we need to be a little, we need to find ways to receive help. And, and I think that it can be a practice being able to let go and let somebody else try something for us. Even if they mess it up, it can be a practice of being receptive to somebody else trying, learning how to let, let that go a little bit for ourselves is very powerful. And sometimes there's a lot of power of just like seeing how other people approach it and learning a different way to do it. Like it creates flexibility and curiosity and openness and that creativity, which if you're just trying to control it all, you're missing that. And I think we don't we don't realize how much we miss when we try to control. Exactly. And we actually lose our ability to navigate uncertainty. And one of one of my favorite uh, theologians, William F. May, talks about how parenthood is a uh, task of being open to the unbidden, unbidden being the things we cannot control. It's like we choose our partners, we choose our line of work, we choose, you know, there's so many things that we choose and control. We don't get to choose our kids. It's like we we get who we get and then we respond. Mm-hmm. And learning to respond rather than react is a huge practice in life. Huge. It's so huge. And both for birth and postpartum. I I teach some postpartum preparation classes. And, 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 you know, we talk about, like, 
soothing and working with and loving and understanding the baby you got, not right. the one you had in your mind. And the, right. and you can mourn that because it's not, you know, expectations, right? Expectations, uh, they get in yes. the way. So, like, there's a disconnect. Right. You have to address that. But same thing with birth. Like, if you, exactly. if you are expecting a specific type of birth and that doesn't happen, that can be a really hard transformation that can be that 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 requires more of the process it does and i I mean everything you just said i completely agree with and i'm just sitting here going yes yes (laughs) but um and sometimes we don't know what it is about that particular birth experience that we may have needed to learn about Mm. like what what about letting go of certain expectations actually teaches us something that we need to know to be a parent. Like we don't know if we, if we always get exactly what we want, then we, the, the desire for perfection just gets stronger. And parenthood doesn't let us have a whole lot of perfection. It's kind of messy so so having some of that like we're we're transformed by birth even if it's not the transformation we may have picked or chosen for ourselves yeah and so much so that teaches us something about being a parent if we let it well and so the biggest and and I speak, you know, from experience on this, like the biggest transformation and, and lesson, I guess, I had from my own birth. And I find that this, I, I have the experience, but I see it reflected in a lot of people that, like me, liked, and I, I'm, I'm talking in past tense, liked to control everything <laughs> down <laughs> to the wire, now more flexible. But I was like, I'm having this type of birth and I'm getting all the things and I did the childbirth education classes and I, I didn't have the doula, which... That's a whole different topic of why we were stupid, but we should have. Um, I was not a doula then, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, had a midwife and birth plan and the whole bit. And on paper, if we're going back to that, to to the the time, the, 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 the world and the realm of time, right? On paper of what happened, my birth plan happened perfectly. Like mm-hmm. everything was there. I had a natural, unmedicated birth, just like I wanted to. But oh my goodness, that had no, did not reflect at all how shaken up by the and and almost torn apart by the experience that I was that I wasn't expecting it to be right. That because I find that one thing that birth asks for you, no matter who you are, is for you to surrender. Yeah. And we don't like that word. No. Yeah. Or let go. Yeah. Sometimes that, that word works better. <laughs> but, but yes. Yeah. Yes. And I've heard you talk about this on another one yeah. of your, your um, podcasts. But yeah, we, we really do. Um, we, we want to grip. And so a lot of what I like to do with parents that I'm working with in preparation for birth is rather than trying to narrow their expectations, I want to help them expand their expectations to let go of things as tight and defined and more as how do you, how do you, how do you have a strong birth even if it's a cesarean birth, how do you have a strong birth with an epidural? How do you, how do you stay connected to yourself regardless of what's happening? Because we need to, and and to help them uh, expand their capacity to be out of control rather than to be tight in control so that they become more comfortable with that idea of surrender. And now surrender and, informed consent kind of get people get bristly when you talk about surrender and and then also about making sure you have your informed consent but i'm talking about them as sort of separate things not as opposites of each other and you're kind of surrendering to yourself and to the process not to you know your doctor's will that's two different things exactly then and yet people can sometimes get those conflated and get concerned and it triggers buttons and so exactly it's there is a kind of surrender and sometimes it's to oneself it's to the process it's to the the 
bigness of whatever it is that's being asked of you. Um, it's, it's surrendering to the idea that certainty exists. It doesn't. Mm. You have to surrender to the idea that it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And um, I find also that even in ways surrender and, and informed consent go hand in hand because informed consent is about those around you and your team giving you all the information so that you can make the choice that's right for you. But mm-hmm. maybe, you know, like even if that choice is have a cesarean or have a this, like it's mm-hmm. different for you to go, okay, I, yes, I agree and I will go have a cesarean rather than being sort of taken through the process and swept away into a cesarean. That's, I think, where the, the informed consent comes in yes. of you being willing to, but then that can also, in a situation like that, it does re- go hand in hand. Your informed consent requires a s- surrendering from your, you know, uh, for you to also surrender. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Completely. Yeah. We're on the same page. Good. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good episode. So right? easy. Uh, <laughs> we just agree. Um, but no, but it's important information because that's not how it's usually how, how how we usually talk about birth. And and I find that if people do explore this, they end up having a a more positive outcome, regardless of how they got there. It's not the outcome of birth. It's the outcome of themselves and their identity. Right. That transformation of identity, that that goo part coming back to to the caterpillar into butterfly they have a better experience because they're not fighting the goo yeah yeah they're understanding oh goo is actually that surrender is a part of letting that dissolving happen in one way or another so that it can be reconfigured that rebirth part absolutely because yeah. because if not i find that if you don't like birth asks that of you and i and i see yeah. sometimes that if you don't surrender if you refuse to surrender then it kind of breaks you or right. it can break you, which is then right. you've got to rebuild that. Like it's a exactly. way more difficult job. Exactly. And that, that surrender, that's where that piece is so important and is a key part of initiation theory as well. Mm-hmm. Is that part of letting go to the process Yes, you know, to the experience so that one can be, uh, brought to a new place where a new identity is born. Yeah. Yeah. And and be able to integrate that with your all your labels, all your identities. And right. all all right. with curiosity of like, oh, there's this aspect of me that I'm familiar with and maybe now it's this new aspect that it's turned into. Right, right. In in rites of passage theory, there's there's lots of different stages that are talked about, but um, Van Gennep's stages are separation, liminality, and incorporation. Meaning that, you know, we are separated from that which we are familiar with. Then we go into this other world place, this liminal place, and then we are reincorporated with the culture. And that reincorporation piece is sort of what I'm hearing, you know, you talk about that we need to actually figure out, okay, how do I reincorporate the parts of my former self into this new piece that has been transformed in that liminal space so that I am still both Britta and mom? Because there, I mean, I don't, I don't know. If, if you felt this experience, but I felt like for the first five years of, of my kid's life, I definitely heard the word mom way more than I heard my first name. Way more. Oh, absolutely. Like was... <laughs> not only that, you're so-and-so's mom. You're, right. you're, your name's not your name. It's your daughter's, yeah. like, well, it was Annika's mom. Right. Right. And so it's like that, that's part of that transformation. It's like in, in many, um, traditional cultures where where initiations happen they're actually given a new name and i'm when i was reading about that for my dissertation i'm like oh my gosh i got a new name i totally got a new name when i became a mom i became mom and it was something i heard way more than my own name and it's only now you know in the last decade that it's really been shifting more to oh i i that 
part of me as well. Yeah. And remembering to connect the threads of who we were with the threads of who we are now. I like to think of it as like a weaving project, that postpartum is a weaving. We take the thread of birth, we take the thread of our child, and we take the threads of who we were before, and we weave. And yet, we like to, we'd like to imagine that right away the colors of who we were are dominant, but they're not. The colors early postpartum in that tapestry that we weave are dominated by the birth experience, by the child, by, by all the things that are, you know, the need for sleep. Like those threads tend to be a bright part of the tapestry of that segment of our life. Yeah. And then later, the... And, and for different people, it happens at different times. But the other threads, the other colors of our lives start to reincorporate into the tapestry in more bold ways. So and, that, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. I get off on my metaphors. <laughs> no, no, but no, I love it. And I think that's a really important piece for people to understand postpartum because it's not just about birth. Like birth is, is just the, the climax, right, of this wave that goes up and then comes down in terms of that transformation of identity, um, when that, even though those colors, though, to follow your metaphor of those threads, is the brightest at the beginning of, of birth and need for sleep and your baby and breastfeeding and all these things that right. your own, what you would call your original colors are kind of not really shining through at that point, know that there mm -hmm. is a transformation there is that it continues to shift that's like that's not right. your norm new normal forever it's a constant flow where then your colors those colors are going to fade and then your new colors because it's not back to your old colors mm -hmm. your you know whatever your new teal is going to be <laughs> that's going to yeah. be starting to to shine through with more brightness yeah yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, different colors are dominant at different times. Mm -hmm. And, and I do personally think that there are elements of who I was before I gave birth, threads, I would call them, that are still getting woven into my tapestry. But they are not, yeah, I mean, has the teal changed or the turquoise changed? You know, yeah, it's changed. But it's, I want to say that there's there's ways that it has resurfaced into my tapestry. But it doesn't look the same in my tapestry, right? Yeah. And and then also it, it, within your studies of ritual and and how this process goes and mythology, like is there a process also of cleansing or clearing that comes with all this because some of those colors you you know those threads you're like yeah I don't need that thread anymore right some some I think we absolutely I think part of the process is actually a um a sifting process as well and figuring out okay does this you know does this work for me now is this color one that I want and and it can be surprising what we choose to cut out of our tapestry, <laughs> to continue the metaphor, yeah. to be like, nope, I'm done with that one. Absolutely. I think that 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 happens and it can be surprising, I think, for parents that there that what is important shifts and that that's part coming back to the beginning of our conversation. You know, that's part of the transformation. And I think that's one of the ways in which birth is not just a single event that transforms us, but a process mm -hmm. that we have the, the preparation journey of pregnancy, labor, birth, and then that transition phase of postpartum parenting that, that in many ways doesn't end. I mean, I haven't yet felt it end per se. I do think that it is... It, it's less dominant in my life, but it's still continuing to change. I'm about to have a threshold crossing with my my teenager, yeah. and and it's it's making us all a little unstable. The and, funny the funniest yeah. thing last week because I uh, Annika just cracks me up. I'm I'm loving enjoying you know this older child, and but she goes, Mom, I'm gonna be a teenager. And you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, isn't, I have isn't to feel that okay amazing? Yeah, isn't that amazing? And I do. I think that's that's some of that wisdom, and it's. I think it's important for us to remember that this is a process. You know, we are we are all in transition now. I do not feel like I am in postpartum. Anymore. Oh no, no, no. Very, very clearly, am not in pe- postpartum. But it's still transition. There's still places of transition. There's still places of growth. But I know myself, the transformation into mother is complete for me. Like I feel like, oh yeah, I know who that is. I know who Britta is as mom. Like even though that identity hasn't gone through sending a kid to college, I I know myself as my children's mother. Mm-hmm. And that piece feels like the moment when, when you get to that part where you go, oh, yeah, okay, I am that. And I kind of know more or less who that is, even if you're continued to be tested and challenged. That's, I think, really the end of that of that transformative period, mm-hmm. that majorly transformative period. And, I, and for some, that's a year, and for others, it's five years. You exactly, know? because I remember, you know, being called, hey, mom, and understanding that that was me who was being called and not, like, my mom. Mm-hmm. That took, it still took me by surprise even seven years later. Like, mom, it's like, oh, that's me. Wow. Like, it, it can take different time for you to integrate and adapt and, and you know, make meaning of it. It's, yes. it's a messy process. It is. It is. Well, we've already talked about goo. There yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, t- we're back to the goo. We're back yep. to the goo. I love the goo. So <laughs> it is a very gooey process. Indeed, <laughs> birth is. <laughs> so, Britta, what? So we talked about, and, and I know we're getting close to our, our time here, so people are going to have to just wait for the book, and I can't wait to read it. But, you know, in terms of the cultural ideas that we have that don't serve us too well and and can help people better prepare for the transformation of, of, you know, of birth. We talked about let control and letting go of that. What's another mm-hmm. cultural ideal that is not serving us for birth? Um, so a lot of these serve us in some ways, but they need a counter, a balance uh, to, to have more along the, the spectrum back to talking about sort of the rainbows of the color, uh, the colors of the rainbow. So one of them is the veneration of information and technology. Uh, we have, I mean, even in the, you know, almost two decades that I've been working with, with, uh, expectant parents, I've watched how that ideal has evolved and developed even stronger than it used to be. So we're just super attached to the idea that information and technology will save us. I love um, one of your taglines at the end of of many of your episodes, uh, information to inform your intuition, Mm -hmm. something something to that effect. I might be getting it a little bit wrong. I love that idea that it's about informing the intuition. It's like there's that link between both having some information, but letting it stay connected to the wisdom that is embodied. And so the, the veneration of technology and information is, is one of those that's, that's tricky. Another one is uh, adherence to innocence, the idea that we are supposed to stay innocent rather than uh, grow into maturity. And a lot of the ways that parents are dealt with in pregnancy is really keeping them very innocent, very childlike, rather than helping them grow into becoming a parent, you know, talking and and speaking with them like they don't have the information, Mm -hmm. like they don't have the ability to find out the information. You know, no, we ought to actually inspire new parents to become mature parents so that they're not children trying to raise children, right? And that is so So true. There's a bunch more. Yeah, no. A whole whole bunch more. And one of them that, that we kind of just briefly touched on is the denial of death. Talking about death in regards to childbirth is a really tricky one, um, and yet, and yet, when we talk about the butterfly, that total dissolving, that dissolution of self, is part of what we need to be talking about in the conversations about birth. So that when that feeling of I don't know who I am arises, we can help navigate the process of rebirth mm-hmm. with, with new parents. 
so much to this thing of becoming parents, of having a baby. There's just so, so much. much. So, so much. Yeah. Um, when, so if listeners want to connect with what you're doing or learn more or like when's this book coming out? I will let you know. I am I am currently in the pitching phase. So we'll, uh, I'm, I'm excited to find that out. Ugh, that's a lot of waiting, Britta. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know, but it's it's uh, ready to go. So we'll see how quickly I can actually get it into people's hands. Okay. So, so but but okay. So, but if people want to connect or follow, if they yeah. want to connect with me, my website is www.brittabushnell.com. Pretty basic. Um, I also am on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, what are those called? Handles are uh, Britta Bushnell PhD at both of those. So so it's Facebook at Britta Bushnell PhD and Instagram at Britta Bushnell PhD. So those are some some ways to stay connected and and see some of the things that I'm doing. And I, I do like to post on both of those social media platforms, memes and some of the the exploration about these cultural ideals and myths that that we're kind of uh, simmering in in our cultural stew. So yeah. that's a great place. Let's simmer some more. Back to the goo. <laughs> Back to the stooge, yes. goo. At all. Britta, thank you so, so much for this wonderful talk. Thank you. It's been really fun to be here. I felt like we, I was just sitting chatting with, with a friend. So thank you for your, your warmth and for what you do. Mighty Ones, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Go to birthful.com where you can learn more about me, the show, Patreon member benefits, send me messages and more. I'm also on Facebook or Twitter as at Birthful, so come say hi. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you, the Birthful Patreon supporters, and by the wonderful people at Sunbasket and Expectful. To best support this podcast, support its sponsors and get free goodies while you're at it. Go to sunbasket.com slash birthful today to learn more and get $35 off your first order. And go to expectful.com slash birthful to start your free two-week trial. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Also, the Birthful Podcast is part of the Parents On Demand Network. Find out more at parentsondemand.com. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so, so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One, did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.